more can one say? This is game seven. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into hockey or anything, uh, Jordan and I had a bit of a chat and we decided that we wanted to address the, I guess, elephant in the world, you could say. It's not really elephant in the room anymore. Uh, Jacob Blake. This is a man down in BC, or down in the States, sorry, not BC. Uh, he was shot by police seven times when he had his back turned to them and has been paralyzed. This obviously goes in tone with the Black Lives Matter movement that has been really picking up steam this summer and that has really gotten attention and gotten a lot of support since George Floyd earlier in the year. So we just wanted to say that the act done by these police officers who, to my knowledge, their names still have not been released, was cowardly, heinous, and worthy of jail time, in my opinion. It was assault with a deadly weapon with possibly intent to murder. Jacob Blake did not do anything wrong, and Jacob Blake got seven bullets because of it. It's inexcusable. It should not have happened. And we need to try to keep working towards making sure it doesn't happen again. It's not something that will be changed overnight, and it's not something that you, we can change by ourselves. We need to come together as a society to change the world. Now. We're going to say this again, and we're going to keep saying it until people get it through their thick skulls. Black lives matter. Black lives still matter. And just because you, you went to your protest doesn't mean that this is done. That's all I really wanted to say about it. Uh, again, I'm not an expert. I just see something like this happen, and we, we, although we don't have a big audience or a big following, we still have some sort of a platform that we can try and um, share a message and share a bit of hope and uh, let people know that we are, we are doing our best here to try and be on the right side of history here, as well as just be a decent human being at this point. Uh, I don't know if you want to add or tweak anything there, Jordan, but that's really all I had to say about this. Um... Yeah, no, I think that was really well said, Keeks. Um, you know, it it's hard to hard find, to find new things to say about it, right? Um, and, you know, I'm somebody that's been experiencing this, you know, basically since it's come up in the news this summer. And before that, it was once every, you know, six months or every few years or whatever. But... Um, yeah, it, it's it. it it's just, it, it feels it's, weird it's, to try and put into words something that should be obvious, right? Yeah, exactly. It's hard to find the words to convince people of 
this side of um, the world right now. It's it, it's still just unfathomable to me how many people are digging their feet in and resisting this movement with every fiber of their being when it's, you know, basic humanity, basic empathy would guide most people, I think, most reasonable people to say like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, let's, let's, um, let's stop the police from overwhelmingly killing uh, people of color in their interactions with them it's or or let's address systemic racism like the people that are just digging in burying their heads in the sand and resisting like i said with every fiber of their being saying that they their country isn't uh racist or their 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 systems aren't racist well sorry but any country in the world that has roots in colonialism is built on a foundation of racism. That's just what colonialism is. It's one group of people coming to another group of people, telling them that the culture they've been used or that they've been living for generations is less than the colonizer's culture. So you have to abandon it and accept ours. Like that. That's that's the history of North America. That's the history of South America. Uh, that's the history of Africa. That's the history of uh, parts of the Middle East and Asia. Like, like I said, anywhere that has experienced colonialism is built today on a foundation of systemic racism. And if you're, if you're um, denying that, then you're denying history and you know, there's not a whole lot I can do for you apart from just tell you to, you know, if that's where you stand, just get out of the way because you're impeding progress. If you want to keep, yeah. if you want to keep living in your bubble, by all means, build your cabin in the forest and write angry letters to the editor underneath a bare light bulb. Like, I don't give a shit what you have to say. So go scream it to the trees. Like, yeah get out of uh get out of decent society please yeah we're getting to a point in human existence where we're beginning to slow down on our physical evolution and starting to evolve as a society and a community as a whole and those people who are still tied to the ways of you know like a superior race or someone inherently having more rights than someone else those people are going to die off yeah like, like that is not the way of the future that is not the way of the present. You are remnants of an age that no longer exists. That's all you are. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't think that it's in your neighborhood or if it's in your town, county, or country, again, you're wrong. Uh, I live in Nepean, a pretty, you know, um, established part of Ottawa. And this week, somebody drew a swastika on our dumpster. Oh shit, I'm um, proud about that. Yeah. Yeah, somebody came out and drew a swastika on our dumpster. I'm still trying to find a permanent marker that I can color over it and say, get fucked Nazis, or Nazis not welcome here. But uh, like, yeah, that's that. There is somebody in my neighborhood that thought it was a great idea to draw a swastika in plain view of tons of their neighbors and community members. So it's very much 
um, a reality in every neighborhood, in every town, in every country in the world, realistically. So just because you don't experience it doesn't mean it's not real. Uh, it's time to start listening to some people who have actually lived those experiences and uh, stop trying to force your narrow worldview on people. Um, it's outdated. And, yeah, for and it's it's so frustrating because you know you see so many people on the, the wrong side of this saying that uh, you know the Black Lives Matter group needs to open their mind. It's like no, their their mind has been opened. They have they see they see the world as it is, or you know they experience this every single day. You don't. So how about you uh, shut the hell up and listen to them? Yeah. Explain, explain in your white privilege how you feel whenever a cop comes up to talk to you in your car and then ask a, someone of color or a minority on how they feel. And then you may maybe have an idea of uh, the world that they might live in and how it's different from yours from even just a simple interaction like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we discussed in, the, in our, our first time around on this, like I've been driving a car for, I don't know, 12 or 13 years now. I've been pulled over one time. Um, it doesn't matter what car I'm driving. One time in my life I have been pulled over by the police. That's it. Um, and somebody with a different colored skin is not going to have that same experience as me. So that's just the reality of the world. And like I said, if, uh, if you're digging your heels in and refusing to acknowledge that, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do for you other than just tell you to sit down. Let let everybody else um, work on progressing society. And, uh, you know, we'll call you when we're done. Hopefully and, you're... And then hopefully you can, you've either changed since then or... Yeah, and you can uh, decide to join in or you, like I said, you can go out into your cabin in the woods and you can... Uh, write your manifesto and uh, read it to the trees and the, uh, the moss. Like, yeah, that's about all that would be good for. So yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's so really I like, I don't want to say that I I've been exhausted by it because like, that is so unfair for me to sit here and say like, Oh, you know, 12 weeks of this discussion has really gotten me tired and I, I don't know if I can keep going. You know, the black community has been trying to do this for like 400 years. So, you know, I, I think I can, uh, I can find take some one. energy to keep it going. It's just, it's a lot and it's a lot to try to take in. It's a lot of change going on all at one time. Um, it's a lot of things to try to keep in mind as I go about my day-to-day -day life. And um, yeah, it's... Like I said, I don't want to say I'm exhausted by it, but uh, it's a lot of learning. And when you're doing a lot of anything, it's, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you, especially when you constantly see these horrible things over and over and over and over again. It, uh, it's really disheartening. Um, especially, like especially when you, like, like I said, you see all of this pushback on it and you just, you can't, I, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to take to get the message through to the people that don't want to hear it. 
Like that, that's the most frustrating thing in my day-to-day life is telling people something and then them having no interest in accepting it or following along with it. It's like, how many different ways can I explain this to you so that you actually get the message? And at this point, it seems like the, the people that we're trying to um, convince just have no interest in coming over to the, to the right side here. So like, it's, yeah, it's that classic, like what happens when an, immo- when a, an unstoppable force hits an immovable object, right? Like there's one side that is just full steam ahead for progress. And the other side is like Mount Everest on the train tracks. Like what, what the hell's going to happen here? Um, someone's got to give and I don't think it's going to be the movement I don't think it's the other side either though <laughs> no but here's the thing no it I, well, I'll tell you how it ends it's, it ends in armed conflict that's how it ends like that that is how I see things going in the states is they're going this is like a precursor to a new civil war essentially <laughs> And unfortunately, due to if history teaches us anything, that seems to be how most of these movements go when it comes to human history. The human history, when it comes to uh, activism and actual movements and change, unfortunately, a lot of it gets settled through violence rather than protesting. Because for some people, and especially those with older views, that's all they that's all they'll listen to. They won't listen to your reasoning. They won't listen to your um, what they would probably define as sob stories. They, they just won't care. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically, uh, you know, I, I talked with you before the podcast about like, I, I feel like I've been on like cruise control for the last few weeks here. Um, I don't know if it has like what it entirely has to do with. It could be like just the whole pandemic stuff. Um, Could be summer winding General life. Yeah, general life things. It could be like the resurgence of this. Like it, it hasn't gone away over the summer. It's just kind of come up in waves um, every few weeks. And, you know, this, this latest one seems to be getting, you know, hopefully there's a lot of momentum that comes out of it. Like, we wanted to talk about the um, all of the professional sports leagues that were postponing and and uh, canceling games this week, um, which was great to see because you know, like the NBA players uh, put out in their in their statement, it was like, you know, their statements the first time around didn't do anything. The no, the messages that the NBA players wore on their their uniforms didn't do anything. Um, this like what they were saying in their post-game uh, scrums and media availabilities that hasn't changed anything so now they're taking more radical action in order to affect change and that is like that's great it's so so good for the NBA players to be able to do that because they have so much power um, they're the they're like one of the two most popular sports in uh, the United States they're athlete base is predominantly black um so that that's people who this issue directly affect that are leading the charge on it which like really you wouldn't expect anything else right but um, yeah and now the the nba players have made a whole bunch of demands of the nba and the owners 
which is really good to see. Because um, now all of the people that were like, oh, well, you know, maybe you should stop just like kneeling in during the anthems or like wearing the messages on your jerseys, like what actual tangible things are you doing? And now the NBA has like a list of a whole bunch of things they can go and say, these are the things that we want and that we're working towards. It's up to you guys now to meet these. Follow through. Yeah, follow through with these uh, expectations here. We're telling you how to fix some of the problems. Now you guys, the, fix it. The, the people in power need to actually, you were the ones demanding that we tell you what uh, needs to be done. Here's a list of like 10 Here. things that need to be done. Go do them. And now those people are going to be like, oh, those things aren't realistic. Like, yeah. Yeah, get fucked. Fuck off. Yeah, it's it's hard to stay optimistic in a world where uh, this kind of stuff happens. But also kind of disheartening that the sport we love so much, it took the players contacting the league to actually get games postponed. Well, that's how it kind of like should be, though, right? Because if the league is initiating it, then it's a PR move. If it's the players that are doing it, then it's actual action. I, it, I guess that might mean it's kind of a weird distinction to make, right? You would think that the league seeing what the players in other leagues are doing, you would hope that leadership at the NHL offices would be like, hey, it's probably not best for us to play our games tonight because the players from the other leagues are striking. It wasn't a boycott. A boycott is like not buying a certain brand. The players were yeah. withholding labor. That's a strike. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was so yeah, kind of moving, transitioning here to uh, some uh, some sports talk is it was, it was um, disappointing that the NHL players waited a day before they decided to follow the NBA's lead. Uh, yes, that, that said, the players' decision to postpone two days of games was led by the hockey diversity alliance so you know as much as we might want to say it's disappointing that the players you, you know the nhl missed their opportunity to uh, stand alongside their their brothers in the other sports um because they waited a day it, it's it's still like it, it's not that performative action that it may have been perceived to be if they hadn't have gone the league didn't yeah, if the league had done it or if the players just came out and said, well, yeah, we're not going to play on Wednesday or Thursday, whichever day it was, because the NBA didn't play last night and we just, you know, we were all napping and we, we didn't look at our phones for six hours until we got to the arena. Um, no, be, because it was led by the Hockey Diversity Alliance and they were the ones that like also put out a list of, uh, of things they would like the NHL to do, um, that... That definitely, you know, I, I, I've got a lot fewer issues with it than if it was just, you know, all, the, all of the white players saying like, oh, the NBA striked last night. So I guess we should do it today because everyone else is doing it. What about you? What, what were your thoughts on the uh, strikes this week? Uh, there's not too, too much I can add that you didn't already say. My perception on it was obviously different than yours. Um, I was expecting 
the NHL and the NHL executives to uh, make the decision and to be the ones to say, hey, in light of recent events, because we're doing this Black Lives Movement, we are going to postpone games as uh, to follow suit with the rest of the, the major sports teams that are going on or the major sport leagues that are still playing right now. So I was expecting that decision to come to the NHL executives. And I was a little frustrated when I heard that it took the players going to the league saying, Hey, postpone these games. But after listening to you, it's okay. That does make sense though. It makes sense that the players would be the ones to go to the league and say, Hey, we're not doing this. There are bigger issues at hand right now. And if they're really going to commit to this uh, diversity alliance and to the Black Lives Matter movement, then the players being the ones to step up and enforce it is a good sign. It shows that they're not just doing this for PR. It shows that they are actually trying something. It may be in the grand scheme of things, it might be a little small because I mean, they're just, they're still doing it within their own little sports bubble, but it's something. A lot of these players, as we know, hockey is a predominantly white sport. Uh, a lot of these players probably are experiencing these things for the first time and just getting educated on it the first time. So the fact that they are willing to postpone what they do for a living, to postpone what they, what they love in order to learn and get a bit more of a, um, a handle on a situation like this or an idea on um, uh, how to represent it and how to react to it, then I'm a, I'm a little less frustrated than when I was at the beginning of the day, I won't lie. Because it did frustrate me at first that I heard there was the players doing the forcing the postponement rather than the league just doing it. Because to me, it was just a no-brainer. Like, yeah, if you're committed to this cause, postpone it. But, no, after hearing your speech, yeah, you're right. It, it makes more sense, and it's – I don't want to say it's a little more impactful, but it's less of a PR move if the players are the ones to do it. So I respect it. It's nice to see the players taking things seriously. As again, as we know, hockey is the hockey players of today. They like to just keep to themselves, do their two minute interviews and go home. So the fact that they're standing up for this, it's a good sign. And it's nice to see, it's nice to see some change. However small it might be. But that's, that's about all I have to say. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know if you want to touch on the um, Logan Couture tweets or if you even saw those this week. I mean, I heard about them on other podcasts, just talking about him, like, um, like getting sucker punched in Toronto because he was talking about voting for Trump if he could vote. Because he's Canadian living in the States, right? Yeah. Um, so he, what it was... He can't was, participate in their elections. Yeah, he, he put out a tweet... Um, like early in the morning saying that he got sucker punched when he was in Toronto. He was just talking about politics, mentioned the Republican party and Donald Trump by and name. Donald Trump. And then he got punched in the face. Um, so, you know, I, that doesn't sound like uh, an accurate retelling of a story that would end with someone getting punched in the face. Um, that's just me. Like, I don't want to go out here. Like if he says he got punched, like I have no reason to doubt that he got punched, but I think there may be some details missing from that account of, you know, I was just out with my friends. We were talking about politics. I mentioned the Republican party and then said Donald Trump out loud. And someone came out, out like out of the shadows and punched me in the face. Like 
I don't think that's how it happened, <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> I wasn't there either. So who knows? Maybe, maybe that's exactly what happened that they were just uh, discussing some politics, said the president's name. And then uh, somebody ran up to Logan Couture and punched him in the face. Um, but, uh, just his behavior after that and how he was attacking people that were questioning him because he was one of the first uh, NHL players that put out a statement in support of Black Lives. So, uh, you know, supporting the Republican Party and Donald Trump isn't uh, compatible with uh, supporting Black Lives Matter at this point, at any point, really. Well, yeah, he, when you have a, uh, a sexist, racist bigot as your president, like anything you do to support him is I guess is an action against any... yeah any of those groups you're exactly right yeah. yeah yeah you can't you can't support the leader of the KKK and then say black lives matter yeah <laughs> exactly that's it, not how that uh, works yeah no he you know the grand i don't agree with the grand wizard's um, thoughts on uh, black people and Jews, but uh, he makes really great potato salad. So I keep hanging out with him and going to all of his parties. Like, you know what? <laughs> Get fucked. Like that's if, if, yeah, if you don't have enough integrity to, to go against somebody or, or oppose a politician because of, you know, because you like their, uh, their tax plan or, you know, their, whatever policy on some other bullshit issue like if uh yeah support for donald trump is uh opposition to anti-racism um equal rights for women and the lgbtq plus community and people of color that's just that's just um it's not a matter of opinion it's that's just a fact now yeah um all right, so do you, I guess um, with all the heavy stuff and the stupid stuff out of the way, uh, you want to talk about some actual hockey? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, um, we are a hockey podcast after all. Yeah, unfortunately, I suppose. <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about, uh, again, we're supposed to be an Ottawa and Toronto podcast, but we've kind of been doing a general podcast for the sake of actually having content to talk about. But we actually have some pretty big uh, Leafs news to talk about. Uh, the Leafs, for those of you who didn't know, made a fairly significant trade a few days ago with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Toronto traded uh, AHLer slash fringe NHLer Pontus at Aberg, uh, young defenseman uh, Jesper Lindgren, and the main piece going to Pittsburgh, Kasperi Kapanen. Um, they, Toronto traded those three players over to Pittsburgh in exchange for Pittsburgh's 2020 first-round pick, which is 15th overall. Uh, Ford Evan Rodriguez, uh, he's a 27-year-old, kind of a fringe NHLer, kind of interesting to see what Toronto will do with him. Uh, 30-year-old left-handed defenseman David Warsawski. He's basically just played in the AHL his entire career, so it doesn't seem like he'll be anything of significance. And uh, forward prospect Philip Hollander, who is a 20-year-old. He was drafted second round by Pittsburgh, 58th overall back in 2018. Now, I don't know about you, Jordan, but as an 
as a fan of neither of these two teams taking a look at this trade, I felt like Toronto got a bigger return than I thought they would. Oh yeah. There's no way that uh Kasperi Kapanen is worth what they got for him. Um, the fact that they got like a top 15 pick in this draft this year is nuts. Um, and a prospect. And like, from what I, I've read from a few different people, like Hallander is Pittsburgh's like second best prospect. Um, now, how how good is he actually and how good is he actually going to turn out you know a team's second best prospect sounds great but of course that's relative to the quality of their other prospects um but by by a lot of accounts from what i've seen um hallander is uh you know he's pretty promising and he gives the leafs some uh, center depth in their minor system which is good. We the Leafs don't have a ton of uh, center options uh, in with the Marlies or coming up. They've got a lot of wingers and I think defensemen, but that's and even the defensemen and beyond uh, Lilia Green and Sandine, I don't think it's a whole lot. Uh, the Leafs have a pretty thin um, prospect pool, and that has a lot to do with dealing. Like, how many of our last few first round picks? Like we traded la- uh, we traded this year's last year's um, for Muzzin. Yeah, um, 20, traded one for Marlowe, one for Muzzin. And we traded one for Anderson, too. That I was don't... Pittsburgh's, though, not your own. Oh, no? Okay. All right. That, that was, was um, oh, that yeah. was coming yeah. with Kapanen from Pittsburgh in the Phil Kessel trade, fun fact. Okay. Oh, yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, Which ended up being 31st overall because Pittsburgh won the Cup that year. So, so yeah, Kasperi Kapanen's a third liner, and I – you know, I know Tampa Bay gave up a first round pick for Barclay Goudreau, right? Um, yeah, so that kind of raised the bar for what you expect to get from a bottom six player. Sure, but you're also anticipating that Tampa Bay is going to be finishing, you know, um, 23rd or lower, right? You, you would expect that yeah. they're going to be in the second round of the playoffs. Um, so that, like, at that point, that pick is basically a second rounder. The value is, is the, yeah, the difference in value between a late first and a second round pick is basically negligible, but a 15th overall pick still has quite a bit of value. So uh, the fact that the Leafs got that and a top prospect for a third line player. Like a B plus prospect. I would not say a top prospect. A, a, A team's top prospect. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, Evan Rodriguez, I, I could see him being um, – that. It, it depends on how much the Leafs sign him for because he's, he's an RFA this offseason. Uh, and I've seen a ton of people be like, oh, yeah, the Leafs, you know, they traded Kasperi Kapanen and now they have $3.2 million in cap space. It's like, well, not really because uh, Rodriguez – there's a good chance we're going to sign him and he made a, he made like 2.8 million last season or something. So it's, it's not like it's a huge amount of savings. Um, I, if they're planning on not qualifying him or signing him to something that's less than his qualifying offer, then obviously the, the cap space would be more significant, but I, I see him as being like a fourth line player, maybe, if uh, I see here that he he's played some center, so maybe he could um, uh, edge Goche out of the lineup 
which wouldn't be like the worst thing because Goche doesn't really bring a whole lot. And from what I've seen on Rodriguez, he brings like a, a good amount of value for a, a contract that would be in the bottom six and probably on the bottom, the, the fourth line for the Leafs. Um, Warsawski, I didn't realize he was five foot nine. That's funny. Yeah, um, he's, yeah, he's not the largest guy, and he's basically played in the AHL his entire career. Yeah, he he's going to be a Marley's defenseman. That's fine. Um, what I didn't realize is that Lindgren, who the Leafs sent to Pittsburgh, I didn't realize he was twenty three. I thought he was younger than that. Um, I'd seen some people talk about how they thought he had the potential to become like a really really strong defenseman, but he's not even playing in North America and he's 23. So he kind of seems like he's not a whole lot. It's, it's not a huge risk for Pittsburgh if they just acquired him for, from the Leafs. Um, but the fact that he's in with Kasperi Kapanen and they gave up a first round pick for these three guys, like that, that makes it look like there's quite a bit more risk. Um, but yeah, from Pittsburgh, everything I was reading was like, what the hell are they doing? This is garbage. And uh, yeah, I noticed a lot of tweets for people calling for uh, for Rutherford's head there. Yeah, but he like since he's gotten there, uh, apparently he's traded twenty seven draft picks. Well, he so he took over as GM in twenty fourteen, and since then they've only drafted in the first round twice. Once in twenty fourteen when they drafted Kasperi Kapanen, and once in I think it was twenty eighteen think it was either 2018 or 2019 i can't remember but you got to remember in the in that time span pittsburgh also won two cups yeah sure um but 27 draft picks you've traded away in five six years that's insane you need to have like young guys coming up absolutely but at the same time two cups yeah like it's definitely worth it for for pittsburgh like they they got success out of it at least those first three years that they were trading all those picks away, they've kept doing it and they're not getting that success anymore. So at some point you have to say like, we just need to keep our picks for a couple of years and, you know, we'll finish where we finish. Yeah. Just talk to covers. If you know that you're not going to be like a cup contending team and it's like, all right, keep our picks. We'll just ride the season out, restock the cupboards a little bit. Try again next year. Yeah. Um, and oh great speaking of losing picks the the coyotes oh first wait, wait, wait before we go into that one thing sure. i want to ask because uh i'll be honest the first thing i thought of when i heard captain got traded to pittsburgh i thought justin schultz was coming the other way justin schultz is uh he's a free agent this summer so um the leafs can just sign him especially because uh it sounds like uh, uh jim rutherford does not like him anymore Friendship ended. I've heard that too. Well, yeah, Um, I think a lot of people have because he said it on the radio or on TV. Are you disappointed that Toronto didn't trade Kapanen for a a defenseman? No, because they can still make other moves. Um, This move was about getting something. Like, this move was about getting that first-round pick, either to use it or to trade it. Um. So I, I cap space. Yeah, like r- right now I'm I'm drunk off of the endless possibilities of what could come next. Um when that thing comes, we'll see how I feel about this like the return that the Leafs got. 
for Kapanen. Um, it, it's yeah, kind of a, it, it's knowing, kind of an unfair way to to judge a trade is like, yeah, I I won't be able to tell if I like this trade a lot until I see the next trade, or until I see what they do with these assets. Um, but that that's just kind of the reality of the Leaf summer this year is that they need to make some moves to make some cap space, and then from there, that that'll free them up to to do some other things because. You know the le- the thing that the things that the Leafs need, uh, they probably just can't get uh, from a trade, and especially because of what their strengths are. Like the, if they need a defenseman or if they need two or three defensemen, they can't just go out and trade away two or three NHL forwards to get them right. And they didn't have a first round pick until now, so it's. Uh, yeah, it's it. I really like this trade in a bubble. I'll probably like it more or less depending on what they do with that first round pick. I, I'd like to see them keep it and draft somebody because they really need to stock up uh, on prospects. But uh, they also really need that defenseman. So who knows? <laughs> All right. I just know that a lot of people were talking about Leafs trading from a position of strength, in this case being their forwards, to address a position of weakness, that being their defense. And uh, I was just wanting to get your opinion on them trading from that position of strength to address a different weakness, which is uh, their very empty uh, prospect shelves right now. Yeah, it, exactly. And th- those two things are, are both weaknesses. Um, and, oh, shit. I did just have a thought, but it left me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, one of the what I thought when I first saw the trade happening, I thought that the Leafs were getting a goalie. Um, the only goalie I want out of Pittsburgh right now is Tristan Jari. I don't know why yes. everyone is going all bung crazy about about Matt Murray. Matt Murray has only proven that he is not a starting goalie in this league anymore. And like, yeah, he won two cups three years ago. Since then, he has proven that he basically is not, no longer a capable goalie in this league. The, the kind and of attractive... People are talking about handing out, like, people are talking about handing out, like, first and second round picks for him. It's like, no. A lot of no, people it... in Ottawa are saying, like, should Ottawa go target Matt Murray to get a goalie? It's like, no. Not for the price that Pittsburgh is wanting for him. It's not worth it. Sorry, well, the, that, the I, thing is, though, the thing is, this summer there's going to be so many goalies available, so many high quality goalies or goalies that have like a, a long resume. It doesn't make sense to trade for one yet, um, unless the unless the guy you're trading for you think is the best one available. And yeah, honestly, I, most people are like I think most people have to look at the summer and say that Robin Leonard is going to be the best goalie that is going to be available on the free agent market. Um, if he doesn't resign in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Which like they can't really, <laughs> they, they've got two, Unless they get rid two of more somehow. Yeah. That that's exactly it. Somehow they have to travel back in time and not sign that contract is how they do it. Um, so yeah, so I, I did think that the Leafs were getting a goalie. Uh, I'm fine that they didn't. They're, like I said, this trade le- still leaves an endless amount of possibilities. I remember what I was going to say earlier. Um, the thing with trading these the Leafs forwards to directly um, address the defense 
is that in that situation, you need to make that trade with those specific players work under the salary cap. And it's just harder to do that in like a one for one trade or a, uh, you know, just a, a direct team to team trade than it is for the Leafs to like trade Kasperi Kapanen into the Penguins to free up some cap space so that they can use a first round pick to acquire a defenseman from somebody else. And then basically the pick is Kapanen for that defender and a prospect. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing too, is that not every team in the NHL is going to think that Kasperi Kapanen is worth one of their defensemen, but they'll probably think Mm. that a first round pick is worth one of their defensemen. Yeah, you would think so. I this this draft in particular is very forward heavy. Like uh, the best defenseman in the draft is considered Jamie Drysdale with Jake Sanderson close behind, um, and even they're touted as like solid top pairing defenseman to like a number three guy. Um, realistically, if you want uh, a very good uh, defenseman, you should look into next year's draft. Next year's draft is going to be very defense heavy. But you're not wrong. Like, maybe that pick you use to draft a future guy that you can see in a few years, or you flip it and get a guy who can help you now. But, yeah, even just what I'm saying is that the value of a first-round pick, people are going to see that as being higher than Kasperi Kapanen's value. So they'll be more... Well, yeah, they'll, like they'll any first-round pick, let yeah, alone they'll be more willing. overall. Yeah, they'll be more willing to trade an NHL defenseman for the 15th overall pick than they would have been to trade an NHL defenseman for Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Sorry, yeah. I didn't really understand it there, obviously. But yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. I agree with that. And again, like you were saying, and like, I've, and like we've said multiple times, this year's draft is very, very deep and very, very good. It's said to be one of the deepest drafts in recent memory. So that 15th overall pick gets even more valuable to, when you take that into consideration. Yeah, which is why I'd Although, like to. Uh, which is why I'd like to see the Leafs keep it. Yeah, I w- I would prefer the Leafs to keep it, and I would like them to use that cap space to get Ratko Gudis in free agency. Oh yeah, sorry, Keegs. You may want to adjust your mic. Eh? You're getting really really quiet. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it was. I was listening to the uh, the Leafs report, and apparently there are already some uh, people around the NHL that are saying uh, Radko Gudis is going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf this offseason. So, you know, I've actually kind of been hoping for that. I've been hoping for that a few for a few summers now, just because uh, a lot of his underlying numbers are really, really strong. And he brings that size. Sorry. Sorry, Uh, I just realized why my mic was so quiet. And it's because it was behind my sweater and it was getting the sound was getting muffled. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do um, do I sound a little better? You do. You sound better now. Sorry about um, that. Continue. Radko Gudis as a Leaf. Yeah, uh, I'd like him on the Leafs. His underlying numbers are apparently very, very strong. Um, and he's got the size and that nastiness that uh, the Leafs are missing. I just hope that he's uh, curbed his, uh, his penchant for getting suspensions and game misconducts because those, those would definitely hurt a lot if, uh, you know, you sign a guy that you're expecting to come in and play a, a or play a huge or a significant role on your team. And then all of a sudden he's missing a handful of games a season because he's, he goes out and does some dumbass thing and gets suspended. We, yeah. we, are, we already lived through that with Nazem Kadri and uh, 
I miss him so much. <laughs> yeah, and now he's one of the best performers in these playoffs. It's ridiculous. Um, is that frustrating to see? Going a little off topic here, but I'm curious. It is and it isn't. It's frustrating because, you know, I think most Leafs fans knew he had this in him the whole time. But also, I don't think that he, the message would have really sunk in if they kept him. I think it was just one of those change of scenery type things where he gets traded and he's like, okay, I get it now. Like, I, I understand what I need to do and what I need to not do in order to, uh, to be the player that my team needs me to be in the postseason. Um, I don't think that that message would have sunk in if he hadn't have been traded. So it, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, man, I really wish it could have just clicked with the Leafs, but at the same time, I don't think it would have. So that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Right, well, yeah, uh, after that's... all that and yeah, that's talking really about picks, on that. um, let's do a quick little, I guess, go back to when you tried to do a nice segue, but I very tried. much derailed it. You tried. You tried your best. Uh, we'll talk about the Arizona Coyotes getting a much heftier punishment than I think we've seen the league give out to anyone in recent years. Uh, so, a bit of backstory. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes were found and were, I guess, I don't want to say convicted because that's not the right word, but um, they, they broke league rules and they were physically training draft-eligible players before the draft combine. Now, for those of you who don't know... They were testing them. They 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 were were, testing them, yes. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, the draft combine is when they get... Is it all prospects or, like, certain prospects? I don't think it's all of them. I think there's, like, a lot of them. I know... Yeah. But they get a, a large draft eligible players and they have a lot of physical tests now it's a lot of those stuff that you you would think about if you remember back to your high school gym class you know like vertical leap uh chin-ups uh push-ups just stuff like that but the arizona coyotes were doing these tests on these players on their own which is very much against the rules the combine exists so that no team has a competitive edge is so that it gives all of them the same data and it just, it's more equal that way. And the league loves its parity. The NHL wants its teams to be as fair and as equal as possible. So when they found out Arizona was testing these players, uh, we kind of thought that there'd be some kind of punishment, but I don't think we expected uh, the, the weight of it. So the league announced that the Arizona Coyotes are forfeiting their 2020 second round pick as well as their 2021st first-round pick. So they're getting rid. They are forfeiting this year's second and next year's first-round pick. And, Jordan, I don't know about you, but I know when I first saw this, I was genuinely surprised at how – basically how this wasn't just a slap on the wrist like I was expecting it to be. Like the league actually dished out good punishment for something that someone did wrong. And I was surprised by it. Well, what were your first reactions? Uh, my first reaction is the same as my reaction now. It's uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, the NHL also took away the New Jersey Devils first round pick in one season for the uh, Ilya Kovalchuk contract that uh, they found to circumvent 
the collective bargaining agreement. Um, and then they ended up giving that first round pick back to the Devils. So the, you know, I, I definitely think that this year the Coyotes will miss their second round pick. Uh, next season or next, you know, in 2021 when the draft rolls around, um, you know, I won't believe it until uh, the Coyotes are skipped in that first round of the draft. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, it, it It is a pretty hefty, hefty, uh, I guess, fine for them to pay. Um, I don't really know how much I care about it, to be honest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, okay, you know, okay. It, it would suck to lose your first round pick and second round pick in back-to-back drafts. That would really, really suck. Um, they definitely shouldn't have been uh, physically testing prospects outside of the combine. Cause like you said, like that it's against the rules and for sure, like all of the teams need to have access to the same data. You know, your advantage that you get is how good you are at analyzing and interpreting that data and turning it into um, like results on the ice. So, you know, they shouldn't have been doing that. This is the price they pay for it, but um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be surprised or give anyone props until uh, you know the checks have cleared, so to say. Until you see some actual follow through by the league. Yeah, like right now they're just saying this is what it costs. Um, but once uh, once the Coyotes actually have that uh, withdrawn from their account, that's when I'll actually believe it. You think on that day you might have a bit of a different feeling towards all this? Oh, yeah. No, honestly, when, when it comes to the 2021 draft next year and they show like, oh, yeah, in the first round of the draft, there's uh, – I guess there's going to be 32 teams picking in the draft next year, right? But in the first round, 30. there's going to be 31. No, it's – oh, no, 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 because uh, – oh, yeah, because I guess Seattle expansion is at the end of the year, so they do get their first-round pick for that year. Yeah, the, like Vegas got – Vegas did their um, – They had their first draft before they ever played a game. Yes, they had their expansion draft, and then they had their entry draft in the same week or whatever, right? Um, yeah. So I imagine it'll be the same for Seattle. And Seattle starts playing in 2021-22 season, so they, they should be picking next off offseason. Um, and, yeah, when we go and there's 31 teams instead of 32 – I'm probably going to go, Hey, what the hell's going on here? And then somebody will say, Oh yeah, I remember the coyotes lost their pick for all of that combine stuff. And I'll say, what? No. And then I'll look it up. And be like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. If the league kind of flakes out and doesn't, uh, doesn't fall through on this, I think um, uh, they'll get even, uh, even worse of a name than they already do as a, as a high functioning beer league. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the same thing as like if if uh, Shea Weber retires tomorrow or whatever, and then the the Predators get hit Nashville. with that mass, yeah, that massive uh, cap recapture penalty. Like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, like the twenty two million dollar cap recapture or whatever stupid thing it'll be. It's absolutely not happening. If if Shea Weber announces oh, no. his retirement today, it's absolutely not happening. Um, so. This is obviously on a smaller scale, but it's still significant to an NHL team to lose your first round pick for nothing. Especially a team like Arizona that is 
that no one really knows what the fuck they are, right? Yeah. Like, the, are they uh, a playoff the, team? Who gives the shit mascot team of the NHL, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> basically. Oh, I shouldn't uh, say that. I, I, I know and like people that are with the, uh, the Coyotes. Oh, the I Panthers. forgot about that. The Panthers are the uh, who gives a shit team of the uh, the NHL. Oh no no no! The Panthers are that in the East. The Coyotes are that in the West. <laughs> I know you have friends there, but I don't, so I can say what I want about it. So. Yeah. No, like it, it. It would be really good for the NHL if the Coyotes were successful. It's it's just they've kind of got that status right now because they have never been successful. At, at least the Panthers have you- a Cup final appearance. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I'm well. Just looking at Shea Weber. Oh, my God. Shea Weber is on the books until uh, the end of time. Yeah. Like, he's on the books until 2025, 26, and possibly beyond, because that's just when Cap Friendly ends. That's ah, terrifying. Um, so, yeah, breaking into actual news here. Um. I made a note about the NBC lag on broadcasts. I I think it's just because now uh, Sportsnet doesn't have their own crews running all of the games anymore. So I'm noticing that the NBC commentators are super behind the play. I don't know if it's just the streams I'm watching. So I wanted to talk to you although i know that you've said you haven't gotten a chance to watch a ton of the western games this week eh? uh i haven't gotten a chance to watch a ton of any of the games this week if i'm being completely honest like uh i watched game two of vegas and vancouver for the first two periods and then went to bed and that is all the hockey i've watched well yeah okay um, so I'll, I, I'll i'll tell you then like um I think Sportsnet now that uh, there aren't any or there's only one Canadian team left. I think they've uh, limited the number of uh, commentate like uh, oh geez. I think Sportsnet was only running games or running the broadcasts for games in the East, and NBC is doing the Western games. So now that I'm actually watching more Western games, I'm watching the NBC feed that is just fed through Sportsnet. And I find okay. that the commentators, because they're not in the building, um, all of the, the local team broadcasters are all back home and they're so far behind the actual game. It's, it's really weird and it's kind of frustrating and uh, it, it takes me out of the game a lot, which is uh, a pain in the ass because I'd like to just be experiencing things as they happen. But then I've got the, you know, uh, in the... Um, avalanche stars game today there was one play that was like uh i i can't i can't remember really what happened but a guy was sprung for a breakaway and the commentators basically missed the whole thing the the guy came down on breakaway and missed his shot on net and by the time he had missed his shot and started looping back towards the blue line they're like oh and he's on a break it's like okay well you know (laughs) seriously yeah you missed it sorry and it, it's not anything to do with them doing a bad job. It's just, you know, the game has to get from uh, Edmonton to wherever they are. And then from there, they call the, you know, the video that they're watching and then it streams out to everybody else. So there's, there's a delay in the two things and it, it just, it doesn't match up on the, the feed that I have anyways. So 
I don't know if anybody else has the same experience. I just wanted to say that because it's been bugging me. That's fair. I understand that. Need to get it off your chest. Yeah. But uh, getting into the actual series here, um, how how do you feel about how the second round's going? I don't care for it very much. <laughs> um, I'm going to start watching hockey again probably in the conference finals. Yeah. I think that's uh that's when I'm going to start paying attention more. Um the Islanders being two uh two games to one over Philly right now is a little concerning if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I feel both uh, very are... good and extremely terrible about that pick for reasons we discussed last week. Um it's like I feel really good cuz I'm going to get it right. I feel really <laughs> bad cuz it's the fucking Islanders. Yeah. Um if if the Islanders go on to the Stanley Cup final, it's going to be really tempting. Like I'm going to really seriously consider lighting myself on fire because uh, <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to go onto Twitter and see all of these absolutely obnoxious Islanders fans being like, ah, eat shit leaves fans. Oh, we don't need Tavares. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Like I can see that and I hate it. <laughs> I don't need you pointing it out for me. A million people at a time here. Dude, who's their captain again? Is it Anders Lee right now? Yeah, it's Anders Lee. Okay. But yeah, it, it's just... it's shocking how the Islanders are just smothering the Flyers because the Flyers looked unstoppable um, in the play. It's insane in... what a good coach does. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, and, I, I... And... Oh, Go ahead. I, I just hate the Islanders. Fuck the Islanders. Uh, they have Thomas Grice in net tonight, eh? Well, yeah, they're just rubbing so it in the Flyers' faces. That's what they're doing. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, they're they've got like five minutes left in the first period right now. The Phillies and uh, the Flyers and the Islanders for their game four matchup right now. What's the score? Uh, later on, zero uh, zero still. Oh, okay. There has been a total of fourteen shots in fifteen minutes of play. Hey, the the Dallas Stars outshot Colorado like ten to one in the first period, or ten nothing, or something like that. Um, yeah, and the, Colorado brutal. outshot Dallas uh, thirty-seven to twenty-six on the game, though. Yeah, that's a little something called score effects, because uh, yeah, Col- you have the lead, you sit back. Exactly. In the second period, Colorado outshot Dallas like fifteen to four or something, and spoilers here, still lost the game. Uh, yeah. Colorado lost. They made a good game out of it. Yeah, they they really need to get something figured out with the goalie because Francouz seems like he can't do it. And watching the first period, uh, we'll here we'll just skip straight ahead to Dallas and Colorado here. Um, yeah, I was watching that first period, and he let in those three goals, and you know, not all of them were his fault, but it's still like they happened so fast that it was just like, man, yeah. I bet and. They they play so different in front of him too that it's just like they really need Grubauer. They and I thought like uh, they just need to pull Francouz and uh, you know get a fresh start here. And then the announcers said like, oh yeah, Curtis McElhaney's on the bench, and I'm like, oh fuck, don't pull Francouz, don't pull him. I can't, I can't. Just hearing that name is giving me terrible flashbacks here. It won't go. Any Why was McElhaney there as an emergency oh, no, backup? Fuck. Oh, that's the second time I've done that. No, uh, Hutchinson. Michael Hutchinson is the backup. Oh. That's why that I'm getting terrible sense. flashbacks. It's a Michael Hutchinson as a leaf. 
Yeah, Curtis McElhaney. Well, you really are out of it, eh? I am totally out of it, yeah. Curtis McElhaney's the backup in uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Tampa. Yeah. So are you still confident in your Colorado pick now that they're down 3-1 in the series? It's really tough. They, like, Dallas looks really good. And like I said last week, it a very likely finals matchup could be the Dallas Stars and the New York Islanders. And I can't think of anything that I want to see less than that. <laughs> it's like, you think I was watching little hockey now? Just oh, fucking man. wait. Oh yeah. Like I, that would be a did not watch finals for me. Um, yeah. I, I'd become a Raptors super fan before I watched any of that. And I'm not super into basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well uh i'm pretty confident in my dallas pick i won't lie i'm pretty happy i went with my gut there um vegas and vancouver i'm a little nervous about um yeah because you vancouver. picked fucking vancouver for some dumbass reason no no no. i'm pretty sure what i said was i expect vegas to win but my gut says vancouver will now they still could uh, I think you were right when you said, um, yeah, Vancouver's going to come back in game two all pissed and win, and then Vegas is just going to kill them the last few games because it went – Vegas shut them out, what was it, 5 nothing in the first game. Vancouver comes roaring back, and I mean roaring. That game two was completely dominated by Vancouver, and they won at 5-2. And then in game three, Vegas fucking shuts them out again, 3 nothing. Robin Leonard has two shutouts in this series already. Yeah. And you, you know what that comes from, Geeks? That prediction came from a life as a Leafs fan. <laughs> Same. They'll yeah. get one good game out of this, and then they're just going to go back to yeah, sucking. They're, they're going to be super pissed off for game two. They'll win it. And then, you know, they get swept the rest of the way. <laughs> um, that's uh, uh, that, that next game. Oh, geez, that one's probably on. Oh, no, that one starts at 10 o'clock. Um, yeah, ten thirty tonight. I will not yeah. be watching any of that. I will promptly be asleep. Yeah, I likely won't see any of that one too. Um, man, they really got to stop putting uh, Vancouver past my bedtime here because I, I have barely watched any of their games, and everyone says they're a lot of fun to watch. I, I think I'm going to. Ret- they are a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going to retract my um, uh, fuck the Canucks and anti Canucks stance. Um, I haven't forgiven them for Max Lapierre, Ryan Kessler, and uh, Alexander Burroughs. But I'm just going to put my, uh, my feud on hiatus so that I can focus all of my energy on the Islanders. I'm just going to put all <laughs> of my negative energy and just project it out to Long Island. So uh, get prepared for that, everybody. Or in this case, project it out to Toronto. That's where they are. Oh, right? no, I have, I have no ill will for the players of the New York Islanders. It's just all of the people that support them. <laughs> oh, I get what you're doing now. Yeah, okay. I, yeah I, it's I, not the players. I just want their team to do bad so their fans will shut up. Exactly. That's exactly it. I, I want their, their team to be terrible and suck horribly, not because I don't like anybody involved with the team, but because their fans are insufferable and I hate them. And I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about uh, Tavares. Yeah. If the Islanders, win a, if the Islanders win a cup before Tavares does with the Leafs, I'm going to stop following hockey. 
Well, you may only have a few months of following hockey left. Oh, man. fuck, yeah. Uh, Boy, and then just I've got a finish glorious up. life ahead of me beyond that. <laughs> just to finish up, uh, final thoughts on Vancouver, Dallas. Or, sorry, uh, Vancouver, Vegas. Uh, yeah, Vegas is going to win. Um, maybe Flurry gets a start before the series is done. Uh, it says right now he's expected to start tonight. So we'll I know. See. I kept seeing people say that he they expected him to start tonight. I have no idea why they would do that after Lanner's coming off a shutout. I think it's because of his temper tantrum he threw last week. Or sorry, that is H. Yeah. yeah, but like Lanner's let in uh, like four goals in three games. Yeah. How do you not start him? He's been so good. Like, yeah, you have to, but I think they're just like, okay, flurry, like. Sorry Here's we made you yeah, sorry we made you mad. Here you go. You can play too. And then, you know, Vancouver will beat them seven to, seven to two or something, and they'll be like, Look, we told you you suck now. <laughs> and clearly you suck, so yeah. go sit on the bench. Lanner, come win us this game. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, uh Tampa so, Bay Tampa and Boston. Okay, yeah. When we <laughs> So when we first talked about this, Boston had just won game one. Yeah. Tampa has sin one, since won games two, three, and four. Yes. Tampa's up 3-1 in the series. Um, and, and game two, they won 7-1, to one, too. Yeah. I so, said uh, that I, I, vote, I, I expected Boston to win because I said Tampa has not shown me any reason to cheer for them or to expect them to do something in the playoffs. They are showing it now. Yeah, I think I, I took give Boston in this that. series as well. And um, yeah, it that first game, it looked like Boston had really flipped the switch and they were going to be a really, really competitive team. And then Tampa in the rest of the series so far has just been like, uh, no, no, you guys are done now. It's our turn. Which it's about fucking time. Yeah, it's about time that they just decided that. Yeah, they had, they had the skill. They had the players to decide that. They just... Just, I guess that switch in their brain never went off. It yeah. took getting swept last year by Columbus for them to finally realize, oh, yeah, it's the playoffs. We got to actually try. We can't just expect to win. So good on them. Um, I Obviously, they're up. They're up 3-1 in the series. I'm not expecting Boston to win three straight against Tampa. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, if any team will be able to, it'll be Boston. But without Tuka Rask and with the way Tampa's been rolling, I don't see it happening. I see Tampa taking this in probably one or two more games. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm so terrified for a New York Islanders, Tampa Bay conference finals here. Like the the Islanders are going to go to the finals. I'm going to have to stop watching hockey by mid October. Just in time for my birthday. I get to not be a hockey fan anymore. Happy birthday, Jordan. Get fucked. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be the worst birthday present ever. New York Islanders Stanley Cup. Fuck. I mean, I'll laugh. Yeah, KG Pajot. If the New York Islanders win a cup, Ottawa gets their third round pick next year. I won't be mad. I'll be mad that the first round pick this year will be 31st and not 21st. But hey, it is what it so is. I'm so fucking mad. Oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's getting you riled up just thinking about it, isn't it? It's getting me so sad. Uh, I can't deal with that right now. 
<laughs> we've got to move on. To our, yeah, we've got to move on to our next topic here, Geek, so that I, I'm not sad anymore. What's our next topic? Uh, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Fuck. Still so sad. <laughs> this um Yeah, this was a huge this... shock the other night. Like, holy shit. I just I don't know what I was doing, uh, but I didn't look at my phone for a few hours. Um Oh, you know what? I may have been at work or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't look at my phone for a while. Turned it back, uh, opened up Twitter again. And then the first account I saw saying, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, is like a movie podcast that I follow. But they put out a ton of like fake stuff all the time when they're recording just to mess with their followers. So I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, Black Panther. Didn't they, believe He's it. fine. And then I scroll down and my next like 75 tweets are all the same thing. And I'm like, oh my God, Chadwick Boseman died. It was out of nowhere. It seems like nobody knew what, what happened. Uh, nobody knew that he had colon cancer for the last like five or six years or that it had progressed to stage four recently. And that, yeah, like it, it's crazy. He, he did all of his Marvel movies while going through cancer treatment. Yeah. And never made it out as it seems. He never made it public. He never said much about it. Um, from what I've seen is uh, from people who knew him and have worked with him. He's a very like humble guy who's very much like, oh yeah, you know, I, I just don't want to bother anyone. Yeah. Like, he didn't want to. He didn't want to bother anyone with the news that he was like deathly ill. He, so he just went about his time making making movies like making his mark on on the enter entertainment industry and on history because like obviously if you don't know like if you don't know him by name he's he's the black panther in the mcu um he played jackie he robinson was, yeah in the movie 42 about was that that's about the first uh black baseball player correct yeah or the first yeah. player to jackie robinson broke the color barrier in major league baseball so he he came from the Negro Leagues into Major League Baseball, and he played with all of the white players. He was the first player to do that, apparently. Yes, and since then, the league has since uh, universally retired his 42, so no yeah. one in the MLB will be able to wear it. And uh, you'll notice a few times uh, teams will only wear the number 42 as a bit of a paying respect to him and the market and they they did that this week too this week was jackie robinson day i think he passed away the day before jackie robinson day, day. yeah it was either the day before or the day of yeah crazy um, and yeah so chadwick boseman everyone said he's one of the best people you'll ever know um it it's a terrible thing to happen i believe he was only 46 if i remember he was correctly. 43 43 yeah so gone way too soon. Um, rest in peace. Thoughts and prayers out to the Bozeman family. That is a huge loss to them, and honestly, a, a huge loss to uh, to essentially the entire entertainment industry and anyone who was a fan of them. Yeah, yeah. Rest in power to Chad Chadwick Bozeman. Um, I've had um, his latest movie, uh, *The Five Bloods*, on my Netflix list to watch ever since it came out a few months ago. And uh, I think that's gonna that has to be something I've got to do in the next few days. Another really good one, apparently, is uh, Twenty One Bridges. Oh yeah, okay. So we'll, I'll yeah, have to check a, that uh, out. Too. 
that one is about he's like uh like a really really high up guy in the new york police and there's a huge terrorist attack on the on manhattan and in order to try and catch the guys he closes all 21 bridges to manhattan that's the storyline of the movie and apparently i remember seeing trailers for it and it looked great uh and i just never got around to watching it um might have to do a a bozeman marathon uh maybe next weekend uh yeah just an incredibly talented person incredibly kind and humble person and those are the people you want to last on this world for as long as possible and of course they're the ones that never do yeah oh this was a heavy show yeah yeah (laughs) yeah uh, i i don't think i've got anything else um well you know what in terms of like um pop culture stuff seeing as we've kind of touched on it a little bit like what uh have you been um, watching anything or, or doing anything pop culture related this week, Geeks? We haven't even really done this. Uh, well, yeah, we, there wasn't really much to talk about. We were either watching hockey, watching nothing, or working, right? Yeah, exactly. But I found time, and I watched uh, season two of Umbrella Academy. Okay. Uh, I really like Umbrella Academy. I, I think it's really fun. Like It, it takes itself the right amount of serious where it's like it still has its goofy moments and they don't seem out of place. Uh, so I just watched season two. I think it's better than season one. I could not stop laughing at it. Like they had some really – it. I enjoyed season one. Season two improved on everything I liked about it. It had a lot of good humor in it, um, and it was very entertaining. Um, it had its really sad and heavy moments, but it was still like light to watch. Uh, and it, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. If you're a fan of Ellen Page, uh, season one, she's the main focal point of it. Uh, season two, it kind of focuses on her and all her, um, her five, I guess, six other siblings. Uh, and it, it's really good. I, I highly recommend it to anyone who likes the MCU because it kind of has that vibe of being a superhero, but also like goofy and funny. Um, I recommend it. You got to watch season one to understand season two though. I was trying to explain everything to my mom who just kind of sat in and I'm like, there's time travel, there's people with powers and stuff that you just don't understand. Like you just got to watch it. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Cause I, I'm trying to find stuff. Some, I'm trying to find new stuff to watch. I keep just going back to like the old, like, uh, like comfort watch stuff. So, uh, yeah, Umbra- hey, I recommend oh- Umbrella Academy. I think you would like it. And I'm just getting really close to the point in the office where, um, where Michael Scott leaves and fuck, I don't have any interest in watching beyond that. So, and I don't want to have, I don't want to restart it for like the fifth time in the last four months either. So like, God damn, need some new stuff. I've still yet to watch an episode of the office. I have never Uh, seen a single episode of the office in my entire life. I I recommend doing it. You like a lot of other shows that people that worked on the office have done. Yeah. Um, so I think you would like The Office a lot. You know, controversial take here. Sorry, Geeks, you're the last person on earth to not watch it. I was the second <laughs> last, and I haven't stopped in four months here. Uh, I mean, I also have never seen an episode of Friends. Yeah, that don't bother. It's not worth it. <laughs> That's Fri- Friends has not aged well. Um, most of The Office has aged all right. Uh, from what I've been told, it's one of those things with uh the office where it's like if you like parts and rec you'll like the office yeah parks and rec the first season of parks and rec tried to like rip off the office 
super like it was basically the exact same show and it just didn't work it didn't work for Parks and Rec until they changed it uh and then that from like season two on that show was really good um kind of same with the office actually the first season is kind of hard to get through because Michael Scott's a huge dick and then they change it in the second one so he's kind of like a lovable idiot okay isn't because isn't the office based on like a, a British show it is yeah okay that's what I thought um so you're recommending people watch the office yeah yeah for anybody that has never watched the office so keegan that's you only uh, <laughs> go check it out the uh, i'm trying to think of what else i've been watching like oh geez have you watched any of the studio ghibli stuff no i haven't gone back to it a whole lot since uh the first week that it was all on i just watched so many of them that week that i'm like i don't really need to go back and do it again um That's i did fair. i did watch um batman and batman returns on uh, crave like i just love those movies love hearing the soundtracks um i i i want to go and watch uh, the lord of the rings movies again soon it's about that time of year where i've got to do it um it's got to be extended yeah netflix doesn't have the extended ones so that's that's my my one down that that's the one thing keeping me from doing it is that I, I need to see the extended versions because they're just so good. You can borrow my copies. I have oh, them. Shit, yeah. I, I'll take you up on that. Yeah, good. You can have them when I'm done with them. Dad and I watched uh, Fellowship Extended and we were going to watch Two Towers and just haven't yet. <sighs> Those movies are so good. Yeah. Alex right, refuses here. to watch them with me. Yeah, no, Amanda refuses as well. uh i think uh that's about where we can call it yeah i'm pretty sure Uh, we're we're just about out of steam here so we'll we'll call it now before we uh just taper off and uh bore everybody to sleep um so make sure you're following the podcast on instagram and twitter at little hockey pod you can follow me jordan at the letter j s m a l l one seven seven one that's at j small one seven seven one on Twitter and you can follow Keegan on Twitter at L I L underscore little 28. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening on. Um, if you can please rate and review us, we'll read any five star reviews from Apple podcasts and please follow unfollow and then refollow the show. It'll help us to climb up the algorithm in all of the podcasting apps so that other people can find us easier. Uh, I'm just going on to Apple podcasts to see if we have any new reviews since the last time I checked a hundred years ago. Oh, well, well, you, well, you, well, you check that. um, I am going to mention we will either be recording the next episode Sunday or Monday. We're not quite sure yet. Uh, Our provider, we only, are allotted a certain amount of upload like upload time per uh per block and uh our block we think ends on sunday so we don't know if we gotta wait another day or if we're good to go right away so uh if you don't see uh the next episode pop up next monday expect it uh on tuesday yeah that's right so uh until next time uh thanks for listening everybody and we'll catch you later see you later guys (laughs) 